Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Jesus didn't even have a house. And I heard one noted preacher recently He said that Jesus was rich. He said that Jesus had designer, that the robe that he wore, the camel hair robe that he wore was designer. And and the reason he said that Jesus was rich, he said, because when the disciples said, Lord, where do you live? And Jesus said, come and see. So he concludes from that, that Jesus must have been rich. When clearly Jesus says, the son of man has no place to lay his head. Listen, Jesus was not rich, not because he didn't, couldn't be rich. He was a king of the world. We just sang it, King Almighty. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Could he have been rich if he wanted to be rich? Yeah. Did he need to be born in a stable? No, he could have been born in the palace. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, son of man have no place to lay his head. He, He didn't have a house. And for anybody to say that Jesus had a, was rich and, and, and had designer clothing, that's just stupid. I'm sorry. That's not right, is it, to say from the pulpit, is it? Thank you. One brother said, go ahead, preach it, preach it. If Jesus didn't have a house. Hey, he came into the world, he didn't even have a crib. While he was in the world, he didn't have a crib. That took me a long time to think of that yesterday, y'all. That was deep. You should write that down. Jesus came into the world with no crib, and while he was here, he had no crib. He didn't have anything. He didn't even own a donkey to ride it in Jerusalem. Don't you know the Easter story? He had to borrow that. He had to borrow the upper room to celebrate the Passover. He had to borrow a grave. Of course, he only needed it for the weekend. I had to redeem myself from the crib thing. (laughs) (laughs) So notice now in verse 59, go ahead and look at it in your Bibles. In verse 59, the scribe said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But now Jesus looks at the second guy in verse 59 and he says, follow me. And the man said, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Notice the contrast. The scribe said, okay, let's go. Jesus said, are you ready for it? Jesus said to this guy, follow me. And he said, I'm not ready for it. Let me first go bury my dad. Now, some people will read this verse and say, man, that's mean. Jesus, that's lame. This man's dad dies and Jesus wouldn't even let the man go to the funeral or bury his dad. Well, listen, we don't want to, don't make the mistake to get the impression that the man's dad died and was sitting in the living room waiting to be buried. I don't get that impression. 
And he says, Jesus, I'll be right back. And Jesus says, no way. We have to understand this in Middle Eastern context, culture, custom. It was the responsibility of the oldest son to be the primary caregiver in the family in their old age. Keep in mind, these are days when parents got old and you didn't throw them in a nursing home. I think it's criminal how we treat our elderly in this country. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands because that's very true. Get old, throw them in a nursing home. We got places to go. Well, look how we treat our kids. Just goes full circle. Got two jobs with two family income. Throw them in daycare. Don't misunderstand. I'm not condemning you. I'm just telling you that's the world we live in. Put our kids in daycare, go to daycare. We got this to do. I understand times are hard. Please don't, don't judge me. Pray for me. Times are hard. But then when they get older, we throw them in a nursing home. We throw them in a retirement home. Sometimes we don't even go see them. Or we go see them when, when it's convenient for us. I told my kids, you know, you've been here. I told you. I told my kids, don't throw me in a nursing home. You put me in a nursing home. And I'm going to come out. <laughs> Let the parents say amen. amen. I'm coming out with my walker. And I'm going to beat you down with that walker. <laughs> you know, I will hurt you and pray for your healing. <laughs> yes, I will beat you down. I told my kids, I'm going to beat you down. Throw me in a nurse home and see what happened to you. I already got them. They're all scared. They know. Throw me in a No, you need to take care of me. I took care of you. I wiped your little hiney when you couldn't. <laughs> Can you say that in the pulpit? Looks like, again, I already did. My bad. No. No. I took care of you when you couldn't take care of yourself. You take care of me. Life goes full circle. You take care of me when I can't take care of myself. And trust the Lord will take care of you as you take care of me. Because it's all about me and not about you. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we just, we throw our kids in the, Middle Eastern culture and Jewish people, they didn't do that in those days. They didn't throw their family. It was the oldest responsibility to take care of the family. Now, keep in mind, the father hadn't died yet. And the reason we know, watch this, you're going to love it. The reason we know the father hadn't died yet, because if the father had died, the son wouldn't be standing there having a conversation with Jesus. He would have been home burying the father because Jewish people buried their dead the same day that they died. So we know the father wasn't dead yet. We also don't know how old the father was when he said, Lord, let me go bury my father. But we don't know how old the father was. The father could have been 35. And he's not going to die for another 120 years. And the son could have been, we don't know how old the son was. So what the son, listen, is saying, he's saying, Jesus, let me go home and live in comfort with my father until he dies. And then he can collect his inheritance and then he can become a disciple. We call this procrastination or maybe delayed discipleship. Lord, I will follow you when my life is together. Now, we could preach about this all day. 
when I get it all together, Lord, how many people say, you know, I'll give my life to Christ when I have everything together, or I'll follow Jesus with my whole heart when I have everything together, my financial portfolio. I've had even people even tell me, and I knew, listen, I knew that the Lord had called them. I knew it. God told me. They knew it. But because they wouldn't trust the Lord and wouldn't walk by faith and because they were looking to the future and what they had to do and what they felt that they need to do and they really couldn't really walk with Jesus by faith, they missed a call of God on their life. Don't you know the church is full of people like that? When God calls you, you got to go. Did you hear me? I said, when God calls you, you got to go. You got to go. I'm going to tell you something. I didn't tell my pastor this. I didn't, I, I didn't tell you all this. My pastor told me when I was coming here and he asked me, you know, I went and asked him, you know, did he feel like the Lord was calling me to the ministry? He said, yeah. And I said, darn, I don't really want to go. But and I, we went back and forth and I had three conversations with my pastor, three. And the last one, he says, well, I tell you what. He says, we can support you. This was me of our coming to North Carolina. He said, we can support you. We can help you financially. We, y'all got to know something. Nobody helped us financially when we moved here. We didn't have money and we didn't have backing. And Chuck Smith didn't give us, you know, $100,000 to come here and plant this church. That did not happen. We went to our pastor. He said, well, listen, if you leave in one year, we can help you financially. We can give you, you know, a monthly, help you financially money each month until you can get on your feet and so on and so forth. And, and God showed me that I had to go then. And I told him, I said, you know what? I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But God has shown me because you've already confirmed the call of God on my life. God has shown me I have to go now. And we left five weeks later. That was after having like five consecutive house sales. We literally didn't have a garage sale. We didn't put the stuff out in the garage. We just opened up the front door and told folks, come on in. People were walking in the house. Hey, that picture on the wall for sale? Yep, it sure is. How much is it? I want, you know, $4,000. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, I'll give you $40. i will take it. And uh, <laughs> that calcium for sale, that refrigerator for sale, that washer dryer for sale, we sold everything because God told us to go. Five weeks later, we were gone. Here, five weeks after that, Calvary Chapel started 40 people, first Sunday morning. God's been blessing and growing this church ever since. Here's my point. Here's my point, people. When God says go, you need to go now. He's not talking about delay. And and if you don't, it's not that God won't bless you. Don't get me wrong. And don't take this further than where I'm going. God's going to bless you because we serve a merciful God. And God's going to use you because we serve a faithful, merciful, long-suffering, patient God. He's going to use you. But I have not seen nor ear hath heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him and for those who will painfully, faithfully follow him and obey him. You don't know what God has for you. You have no idea. Me, looking at what God has done, I had no idea. I remember saying to Lenovar, I said, man, I said, honey, we get like 250 people. We're going to have, that church going to be huge. <laughs> I said, like, oh my goodness, 250 people. 
I remember thinking that. I'm like, man, that was to be. I never planned on church growing. I never was into that. It wasn't about that. It was about preaching the kingdom of God. And I was excited to just tell somebody something I just learned because I've been reading some books. And I know the power of God because he changed my life and he'll do the same for you. And that's all it's ever been about for me. That's it. Not concerned with how big the church gets, how financially secure we get. I don't care about that. I don't care about that. I care that people know this. Because if you know this, this will change your life. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. Procrastination. Lord, I'll follow you when. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Did you get that in verse 60? Let the dead bury the dead. In other words, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. In other words, leave the things that spiritually dead people can do to spiritually dead people. But you go and attend to the things that make for spiritual life. And what is that? Proclaim the kingdom of God. Proclaiming the kingdom of God is the most important thing. Listen, it can't wait. And the only spiritually and only spiritually alive people can save the spiritually dead. So preach the kingdom of God. You know, we live in a world of so much activity, don't we? Live in the church. Activity. I went to a church. I won't tell you the name of it, but the bulletin, where's my bulletin? All right, well, I'll tell you what. The bull, oh, here it is. The bulletin, I kid you not, talking about church and its activity. The bulletin was this big, going this way, and three pages going this way. And, I mean, you open the bulletin, it's like opening a newspaper. And it's like your whole face is covered, you can't see. Activity. The church has so much activity that we are forgetting to proclaim the kingdom of God. We got so much going on. Oh, we got this, we got that, we got this, we got that. Oh, there's so much going on. The church bulletin is full. So many people nowadays, oh, I got a ministry of this and a ministry of that. And I'm amazed at how many people got the ministry of this and the ministry of that. And everybody has a ministry. I got the ministry of painting the walls. I got the ministry of changing light bulbs. The Lord has given me the light of God is all my life. It's weird. So much activity going on in church. And we're not proclaiming the kingdom of God. How come there's so much activity going on in the church and yet people are falling away from church and dropping like flies? Why? Ministers. Do you realize the statistics on ministers leaving the ministry today is at an all-time high? Why? Because we are busy, but we're not busy with the right things. We're so busy, but we're not preaching the kingdom of God. We're not proclaiming the kingdom of God. It was D.L. Moody who said this, and I love this. He was preaching about the misappropriation of energy in the church. And he said the church reminded him of firemen straightening pictures on a wall of a burning house. Just busy doing stuff for nothing. We can't forget our basic call, listen, is to preach the kingdom of God. Do you understand that's why God left you here? Have you ever thought about this? Why is it that 
when we get saved, why doesn't God just take us right to heaven? I mean, after all, the Bible says that's where we're ultimately going and that's where we all want to be. And we're just pilgrims passing through and strangers. And this is not heaven's our home and this earth is not our home and all of that. Why is it that when we get saved, God leaves you here? I would think after all that, we should just get saved and God should just take us right off the planet right away. Soon you say, I accept Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Boom. You're gone. Why? Because he's left you here so that we can preach and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's your purpose in being on the earth. To take as many people to heaven as you possibly can with you. That's why God has left us here. We can't forget about that basic. Don't get so busy that you're too busy to do what God has called you to do. And that's to preach the kingdom of God. Notice in verse 61, the man said, Lord, let me first go bid my father farewell, who is at home. Notice that me first. You might want to underline that in your Bibles, me first. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 says, if any man comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yet, yes, even his own life, He cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus isn't saying we should hate our family members. He's making a point that we're to love him more than we love our mothers. We're to love him more than we love our fathers, our wives, our children, our brothers, our sisters, even our own life. Jesus should come, listen, Jesus should come before anyone or anything. Jesus comes before your spouse. Did you hear me? I'm happy to say my wife and I've told her, sweetie, it is okay for you to love another man. I'm liberal like that, y'all. We, you know, somebody will take that out and put it on the radio. And I'll be like, oh, Pastor Roddy's liberal. What I mean is it's okay for you to love another man as long as his name is Jesus. Now, if his name is Jesus, <laughs> I might have to do something that I had to repent. <laughs> Let the church say amen. I ain't having that. But, and I'm happy to say that, to tell you the truth, I'll tell you publicly, I'm happy to say my wife loves Jesus more than she loves me. She really does. And I'm glad about that because actually that's really selfish because the more she loves the Lord, the more she's going to love me. (laughs) It's very selfish, very selfish. But she loves Jesus more than she loves me. And I love Jesus more than I love her. He comes first. Not a spouse, your children. How much time we got? We live in, is it just me? People are like, in a strange way, in no one here. But in a very strange way, like in the kid worship nowadays, kids run the house. I don't want to go to that church. What do you mean? You're three years old. What do you, people are like, oh, you don't want to? You don't want to go? Oh, we won't be going. No, we won't do that. I'm like, wait a minute. Who's a parent? 
you, look, you're three years old. You're not a parent. You go where I tell you to go. And if you don't, I'll beat you. No, I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm from the old school, y'all, so just forgive me. All right. But I mean, kids are like, you know, or we got our kids in so much sports nowadays. Listen, people have so much sports. Have you noticed like all these sports and soccer and hockey and all these sports? They have their, their practices on Wednesday and Sunday. I got to think there's just something strategically satanic about that. That's just me. Why? Because it takes you away from church. I've seen more families not come to church, and then I see them like a year and a half later. Oh, where you been? Oh, well, <laughs> well, Johnny's been having practice on Wednesdays and Sunday. We can never get to church. Really? That's a sad thing. Not in my house. I raised my kids. Let me tell you something right now. If you live in my house, you're going to church. Wednesday is church. Thursday, uh, Sunday is church. If your practice is on Thursday, no problem. If your practice is on Saturday or Monday or any other day, then Wednesday or Sunday, no problem. But I don't care what you want to be involved in. If it conflicts with, 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 the, with church and with what God has called our family to do and to be for his glory, you cannot do it. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. Now, here's the thing. You can't. Now, listen, that sounds great. Okay, but you can't do that when they're like 16. All of a sudden, you turn into Jesus people, and you want to tell them, well, let me tell you something right now. We're all Christians, and we're all going to go to church, by golly. (laughs) You can't do that when they get 16. You got to start that when they're in the womb. Or you go to church, and then when you have that baby, there's plenty of people I'm looking in this audience right now, and I saw you, seen you here when you were pregnant, you had your baby, the baby's in nursery right now, and you're sitting in here. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Because then, after nursery, then they go to first grade, and they go, to, and they go all the way through, and then they go to big, little church, youth, junior high, then they get age, then they can come up here, and it becomes a part of their life. This is how I raised my family. My son and his wife sitting right there, they'll tell you that. Don't ask, but they'll tell you that. <laughs> and they'll tell you what I'm telling you now. That's the way I raised them. I raised them in church. So now that's all they know. Now they live way across town. And actually they're at an age where they don't, none of my kids have to go to church. All my kids grown, hallelujah. Hey, <laughs> man, they're grown. They're gone. They do keep coming back, but, but that's all I keep putting them out too. But, but my kids are grown. I'm happy about that. And I'm on my grandkids now. But they'll tell you, that's the way I raised them, to love the Lord. Now, they don't have to come to church if they don't want to. They're grown. But they're here every week. I don't call them up in the morning and go, where you at? I don't do that. They come to church. They serve the Lord. That's because they were raised that way. Well, notice in verse 62, finally, in your Bibles, but Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, saints, listen, you can't go forward while you're looking backwards. My old pulpit, 
Big Wood Pulpit, y'all know that one? Someone made that for me 13 years ago. And um, on it, if you've ever been in it, you will see on it is a plaque, brass plaque that I had made or inscribed on it is this verse, Luke nine sixty two. No man having put his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, if you stand at that pulpit, let that be a reminder to you as you stand here and share the word of God, there is no looking back. You gave your life to Christ? Looking back for what? What's back there? That's why you gave your life to Christ, because there wasn't nothing back there. Right? Is that right? Or is that wrong? That's right. So there's nothing back there. No man having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You can't look back. you got to go forward. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.